Welcome to Becoming a Sleep Consultant. I'm your host, Jane Havens, a certified sleep consultant and founder of both Snooze Fest by Jane Havens and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. On this podcast, I'll be discussing the business side of sleep consulting. You'll have an insider's view on launching, growing, and even scaling a sleep consulting business. This is not a podcast about sleep training. This is a podcast about business building and entrepreneurship. Tara Dakin-Sauer is a CPSM graduate passionate about the impact of infant sleep on parental mental health. Tara's therapy practice, Renew Psychotherapy, specializes in treating trauma that occurs or resurfaces during pregnancy or postpartum. Tara's consulting business, A Renewed Mama, merges her expertise as a newborn care specialist, sleep consultant, and perinatal mental health professional to provide trauma-informed sleep programs that are uniquely tailored to meet the needs of moms experiencing significant anxiety. Tara is also excited about combining her knowledge and skill set related to both maternal mental health and infant sleep to help other sleep-based postpartum professionals feel more confident in supporting their clients' mental and emotional well-being. This newest part of her business is dedicated to providing education, resources, and collaborative care services to support sleep consultants, NCSs, and postpartum doulas in being able to more holistically promote the physical and emotional wellness of both babies and parents. Tara, welcome back to the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Yes, me too. I always love chatting with you, but definitely what we're talking about today, I could just talk all day about. So I'm very excited. Me too. So before we get started, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your professional journey, whatever you want to share. Sure. So when I found CPSM, I was working as a perinatal psychotherapist during the day and then working nights as a newborn care specialist, which I know is a little crazy, but I started as an NCS in grad school and fell in love with it so much that I decided to keep doing it even after I finished all my post-grad hours and launched and filled my own therapy practice. Also because I figured out that since I specialize in trauma, a full caseload for me is definitely less than full-time. So the balance of those two things really works for me. And the reason I was interested in getting certified through CPSM was because I'm a planner and I was looking way ahead to starting my own family someday. And I wanted to learn if it was possible to keep continuing to support families with their baby's sleep, but be able to stop doing all the overnights. So the main thing that drew me to CPSM was that its focus is on growing a business, doing this work virtually. And then... After going through the course, I think the certification really served me in being able to find a way to actually merge those two different passions and really niche both branches of my business. So I figured out how to effectively bring all my expertise on newborn care and infant sleep into my therapy work with my pregnant and postpartum clients. And now that's something that really sets me apart from other perinatal therapists. I've had clients that have chosen to work with me specifically because their baby's sleep or lack of it as one of the biggest triggers for whatever their trauma is. Uh, and then on the consulting side, I've designed what I think are really distinct sleep consulting programs to market to my niche. So I have an all virtual infant program and then a virtual and hybrid newborn program. They both offer 
trauma-informed education, coaching, and support. And I've designed them specifically for moms that are experiencing significant anxiety and depression. And sadly, every mom that I've worked with, whether that's as a therapist or a sleep consultant, some of their all the negative messages they've heard about sleep training. Yeah. So that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about today. I wanted to bring you onto the podcast to discuss all the negativity that surrounds sleep training. Why do you think that there's such hostility surrounding this topic? I think probably the biggest reason is it is such a divided topic because it's one that has big groups of people and experts that are each arguing for two very different views. And they're both pointing to published research that they claim supports their view. And I think that the people on both sides believe that their approach is key to how they define what it means to be a good parent. So this topic is therefore, I mean, just rife with judgment and mom shaming. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody is just trying to feel themselves in their own heart that they are doing what's best for their own child, right? So when someone talks about doing something differently, that's like the polar opposite from what you're doing, and and all you're doing is just trying to be the best parent that you possibly can be, I think obviously that that is really triggering, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think moms are largely trying to just protect their own insecurities to some degree when it comes to like their parenting style. I think as new parents, especially, I know I felt this as a new mom when my son was born, you know, almost 11 years ago at this point. Um, You know, I was just worried that I was doing everything the right way. And I put that in air quotes. And when I saw people parent differently, it really made me question my own parenting style and and you know the way that i was choosing to parent how do you how do you feel about this would you say that that's sort of commonplace oh absolutely yeah i think that <clears throat> in a lot of ways um parents are kind of projecting their own insecurities onto other parents when they're judging other parents because i think anytime that anyone is shaming another person for their choices so not just disagreeing but criticizing, shaming, bullying another person, a group of people, that person's own insecurity and shame, I think is absolutely at the root of that. Um, To give kind of a longer answer, one of the kinds of therapy that I practice is called internal family systems or IFS. And IFS has a way of understanding human emotion and behavior that I think is so helpful And I'd love to share a little bit more about because it's really changed how I'm able to understand what's going on with the mommy wars that are just rampant, you know, on social media. And it's made a huge difference in how I'm able to deal with it when I'm being attacked for my views on sleep training, whether that's like me individually or just as a member of the, you know, larger group of pro sleep training people. Uh, So basically IFS views everyone as having not a singular or unitary mind, but our mind is divided up into parts or what you could call sub-personalities. Because I think we can all agree we can be a little bit of a different person depending who we're with, what we're doing. We can even feel the pull of multiple parts of ourselves at the same time. Like if you've ever been out with friends, you're having a great time and you thought something along the lines of like, oh, this is so fun. I want to stay out dancing all night long. 
but I also kind of want to head home and change into my jammies and make sure I get a good night's sleep and that I'm ready for tomorrow. That's just two different parts of you. So IFS groups parts into either exiles or protectors. If you've ever heard someone talk about healing their inner child, they're usually talking about what's actually multiple exile parts. Exiles are young parts that develop from different experiences we have growing up, and they hold negative emotions like fear, loneliness, shame, or negative beliefs like I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm a bad mom. Obviously, these kinds of thoughts and feelings are really uncomfortable and unpleasant. So they essentially get banished by protector parts. Protectors are essentially the same thing as what most people would call defense mechanisms. So these are parts that develop over the course of our lives as ways we've learned to try to keep us stable and prevent our exiles from being triggered and experiencing those negative thoughts and feelings. So these are parts that control, plan, people please, as well as parts that judge and shame others. Because if I'm focused on judging someone else, getting up on my high horse, then I'm not thinking about my own failings. Or I'm comparing myself in a way that makes me feel better. Like, oh, well, I mean, at least I don't do that with my kids, <laughs> right? Um, protectors also work to shut down or get away from negative thoughts and emotions because sometimes our exiles will get triggered. And so common examples of these parts are ones that like calm us or distract us with things like TV, shopping, alcohol, exercise, or ones that connect us with supportive, like-minded people that we can vent to and it can make us feel better. So one important thing I want to add, because IFS is an evidence-based therapy for trauma, is that everyone has exile and protector parts. People who grew up in abusive homes or have experienced traumas tend to have more extreme parts, some more intense emotions and behaviors, but we all have them. Most of us have very little awareness of our parts, especially the exiles, because if our protectors are doing their job effectively, then we don't even realize how much crap from our past we're still carrying around. And so a lot of people can go through life having no idea how much is going on under the surface unless something big shifts in their life and it interrupts the homeostasis of their internal system. And guess what? Becoming a parent provokes so much responsibility and vulnerability that it does often trigger people's exiles and then prompt new or more extreme protective behaviors. So going back to the hostility around sleep training, I think that parents, moms especially, face so much pressure, like what you were talking about, to do things right, uh, to live up to these ridiculous expectations around what it means to be a, quote, good mom. With the internet, parents are just flooded with information, including a lot of misinformation, right? People's opinions and interpretations that are presented as, as if it's fact, undeniable truth. Because thanks to the internet, it's really easy to support your opinions with what looks like credible sources, even if they aren't. And another thing that I've noticed is that because we've got experts and authority figures that are promoting wildly different opinions on the same issue, now, not only is it totally normal to question what your own parents did or taught you, it's now considered normal to question what your doctor tells you. 
Because being an expert or authority figure, it's no longer enough to be trustworthy. So to me, it's really no shock that so many parents out there are struggling to trust themselves when it comes to making decisions about parenting. Plus, social media means that becoming a parent is basically a guarantee for judgment from other parents, which combined with not being able to trust whatever advice they're getting, that's a recipe for insecurity. And so what I've seen is moms who do not feel confident in their choices tend to interpret any contradictory opinions as someone basically saying you're a bad mom. So their protectors show up to try to either prevent being judged or distract themselves from the insecurity and shame that gets triggered if they are judged or believe they're being judged. So some moms, you know, they very they carefully curate their mom squad, right? They make sure that everyone has very similar opinions on parenting. Uh, most parents I know join groups online. They follow certain people that talk about the parenting things they believe in. And while they may say or think they're just trying to learn and get support, I do see many parents also use this as a way to deflect judgment. Because when you're part of a group of like-minded people, that it can kind of allow them to get on their high horse about how everything they do is so awesome and the best. And here's why. So sometimes that is more of an implied judgment of the opposing view. But of course, then there are also those who actually go to war with other parents, trolling, cyberbullying, posting blog posts or reels that are just vicious and very explicitly judging and shaming other parents. So kind of back to your original question about, is this really just about the insecurities? I would say that from an IFS perspective, because moms are constantly faced with criticism and judgment from other parents, whether that's real or perceived, depending on their personal history, that's going to trigger varying levels of self-doubt and shame. And for some parents, the most effective strategy they've found to make that self-doubt and shame go away, whether they consciously realize this is what they're doing or not, is to attack the people that they feel are threatening their confidence as a parent. And that's the people who are making very different parenting choices than the ones that they have made. Can we talk about the crying, for example? Uh, because I think that, like, I think it all boils down to the crying. I think that that's what it's all about, right? Um, is crying to be avoided and silenced? Maybe to protect our own feelings, right? Is, is that why we're silencing the crying? Or, like... Is there something bigger going on? Why are we all so triggered by the crying? Because I agree with everything you just said, 100%. But I also think it just all boils down to parents' fear of their children making loud noises. I really think that that's yes. what it's largely yeah, all about. Like why, why do people think crying is such a bad thing? Why is it yeah. assumed that letting a child cry is inherently bad? Well, Crying is a super common trigger for people's exiles. So again, exiles are holding beliefs and feelings from childhood that many people don't even realize are still there. So it's going to vary person to person, but I think the most common ones I see are parents who learned when they were growing up that crying is weak or pathetic. It was something that they were shamed for, maybe even punished for. 
And so when they hear crying, that triggers in them this very old feeling of fear that like they're about to get in trouble. And so they need it to stop right now. Uh, also, I've seen parents who, if they struggle to soothe their baby, maybe they have a really colicky baby or parents whose baby spent time in the NICU, maybe had major feeding difficulties early on. So one of those babies that just cried non-stop at first. Those situations where parents feel like they're not in control or they can't fix the problem, then crying can trigger feelings from childhood that we all have of, of being helpless, powerless, or small. Then, of course, all the sleep training shaming, you know, this rhetoric that's out there that crying is harmful. And if you don't pick your baby up and comfort them every time they cry, you're causing permanent psychological damage. Well, now that narrative has created a situation where crying can trigger a mom who has exiles that believe something like my worth comes from making other people happy. So the, the logical translation into parenthood is that my position as a good mom is dependent on sacrificing whatever I have to. So my baby is always happy. And so if a mom has parts that believe that, and now she's reading or seeing this stuff online that makes her think, oh my gosh, I, I'm causing my baby to suffer, you know, by letting them cry both now and in the future, well, then I'm a bad mom. And if I'm a bad mom, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm nothing. And our protector parts, their entire job is to keep us from feeling any of that or shutting it down as fast as possible. And so crying feels intolerable for many parents. And, you know, they'll respond in a variety of ways, but always it's with the intention of making the crying stop or trying to keep the crying from happening at all because of the feelings that it brings up in themselves under the surface that, again, they may not even realize that their issue with the crying actually isn't about being uncomfortable with their child's discomfort. It's about not being able to handle their own discomfort. Yeah, I think that sentence is sort of like the money shot right there. Um, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, okay, so like, this is all really helpful and useful information. But we have all these sleep consultants that are listening to this podcast, wondering, okay, like, this all makes perfect sense. But as a sleep consultant, like, how do I personally combat this both like out in the wild whether that's like in facebook groups or on the internet or just like talking mom to mom when when you're on the phone you're on a discovery call with a prospective client and you can tell that they have a lot of anxiety and fear around the idea of hiring a sleep consultant or sleep training their baby be all because of all of this stuff, the, mm -hmm. the anxiety and the nerves and the feelings that swirl around and the shame and the judgment on the topic. Like how do we as sleep consultants, how do we navigate that if we don't, I mean, of course, like everything you just said is super valuable, but like I would imagine most sleep consultants aren't going to feel confident talking about it in the way that you just did, right? Like they're gonna come at it with a little bit of a different tone or a different lens from a different perspective. Like, can you can you help us to sort of bring this down to earth for the average sleep consultant that maybe yeah. doesn't feel confident talking about it in the way that you just did? Yeah, and so are you asking about responding to 
you know, prospective clients bringing up those yeah, news or yeah, just people like, actually doing the attacking? Yeah, I think all of it, just sort of like the general, like, how do we combat the negativity? Like, I think what you just said is super important. Maybe, maybe it's, and maybe you have a better idea. Maybe it's helping parents to realize that all of this negativity is really like about their own discomfort rather than the worry that their child is going to be uncomfortable. Maybe mm-hmm. it's that. I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts on sort of how to, easily combat this negative vibe that surrounds the topic sort of mom to mom or sleep consultant to mom I would say on maybe kind of a meta level right if we're helping parents figure out that their discomfort with the crying really isn't about the child it's about them I think maybe some of our discomfort as a sleep consultant in addressing it whether it's the people doing the attacking or the moms asking the questions maybe it's not really about the parents discomfort it's about our discomfort. And so maybe I'll give an illustration of like how my parts show up um, in these kinds of situations. And maybe that will help it make a little bit more sense. Um, So if I try and paint a picture for you, like if I'm scrolling through my Facebook newsfeed and there's a post or a comment and my eye happens to catch the phrase biologically normal infant sleep, like within half a second, my heart's beating faster, my shoulders have raised, and the corners of my mouth have turned down into a scowl. <laughs> and if I actually read the post, and I don't know, let's say it's something like, um, bed sharing has been going on since caveman times. It goes against nature for your baby to sleep alone. It's it's selfish to sleep train just because you can't handle the reality that motherhood means you need to tend to your baby's needs. And that is normal for your baby to need to be nursed overnight until they are at least two years old. Well, I mean, first I'm going to get like really mad, like just saying that out loud right now. I feel it. I mean, do, do you notice an immediate reaction hearing me say that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So depending on the day, uh, any number of my parts might show up. Um, one is what I call my F that part. <laughs> that's the one that's just going to like scroll right on past until something else catches my attention because it's just thinking like, no, nope, not even going there today. Uh, there's what I call my team spirit part that will keep reading because I'm hoping to find that someone else has made a comment in reply and that they've said something that can make me go like, yeah, tell them, <laughs> you know? Uh, or I've got my like academic part, the one that makes me want to cite statistics or like go down a rabbit trail doing more research, finding more data to like prove them wrong. Um, then there's my snarky part. Love her. She's very clever. Uh, thankfully, she typically only writes draft replies in my head. But if I'm being completely honest, then yes, I have absolutely on occasion actually posted some very snarky comments. Uh, more often they're on safe sleep, but anyways, so in this example, I don't know, I I might say something like, well, you know what else goes against nature? Forcing mothers to return to full-time employment before their baby has weaned or started to sleep through the night because our country offers a dismal amount of paid parental leave. And then I'd say something about how, you know, it's probably a little black and white to assume that someone is selfish for wanting to sleep train. And that it's really unrealistic to expect that parents should have to suffer through disrupted sleep for years when we don't have the kind of community, extended family approach to child rearing that we had in caveman times. 
So getting mad, hanging up with others and my frustration, sitting here, you know, coming up with clever ways that I can think of to just blast someone else's opinion. All of that feels a lot better than what I would have to feel if those protectors weren't showing up, which honestly would be, first of all, really sad. I would get really sad thinking about the mom out there who's reading that comment. And she's so tired that she doesn't know who she is anymore. And she feels so guilty because she really, really wanted to be a mom. But that comment, that makes her want to run away and never come back. I have heard that so many times. It would also potentially feel really defeated and helpless to know that there are such loud voices out there saying these things, and so many of them, and that even if I could come up with a good response, it's probably not going to change that person's mind, and that there's still so many moms out there suffering from these narratives. And then I feel guilty for feeling so cynical, not trying harder, doing more. I might start to feel like an imposter and feel panic and doubt if I can even handle doing this work and how I'm ever going to reach my goals for my business if it means I have to engage more in social media and subject myself to comments like that, but directed at me. Those uh, not good enough and imposter syndrome feelings are there for me because I definitely have an exile that believes that my worth is tied to my accomplishments, being helpful to making other people happy and definitely never having anyone be mad at me. And so all these conversations can definitely trigger that stuff for me. When a mom asks a question and I'm not immediately sure how to answer it, oh, my friend said such and such, or I thought I saw this article about, you know, sleep training, blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you say to that? Um, so all of this can trigger those things for me. And I, I imagine I'm not the only one who feels that way. Um, so Thankfully, IFS does offer more than just being able to increase our awareness of our different parts. Uh, IFS also believes in like the capital S self. So it's basically the part of you that's not a part. <laughs> um, other philosophies might call it like the higher self, true self. But our self has some innate qualities that make it the ideal leader of our internal family of parts that react to all kinds of things. And those qualities include calmness. So being able to witness and experience the emotion of a part, whether that's ours or someone else's, without becoming overwhelmed. Curiosity. So wanting to understand parts, why they think or feel or act the way they do. Compassion. It truly cares that a part is suffering because protector parts wouldn't be showing up otherwise. And connection. It wants to engage with these parts, even the difficult ones, not shut them down or get rid of them. And so, yeah, they're all C words to make it easier to remember. Calm, curious, compassionate, connected. So we've all got this self within us. And the problem is when our parts get really loud, when our parts react to the attacking comments or a mom who's got this high anxiety and needs all the explanations 12 times a day and the explanation we gave yesterday doesn't make sense to her anymore. Um, those parts can kick ourselves out of the driver's seat. And if we can convince those parts to move to the back where they can still offer their opinions or suggestions, 
But then our self gets to decide if and how to act on any of that. So you basically notice the parts that are showing up in yourself. You listen, you acknowledge whatever they're trying to tell you. And then you ask those parts if they're willing to relax, to step back. And you keep doing that until you notice that you're feeling calm, curious, compassionate. IFS calls this process like unblending um, and accessing your self energy. So ideally, I would recommend trying to respond to you know these questions from clients or deciding if you want to engage in some of these conversations with people who are being really hostile. Deciding if you want to engage or not, or how you want to approach the conversation, answer the question, doing that from a place of self-energy, because our conversations are not as likely to be productive or helpful um, for the other person or even for ourselves if we're engaging from our parts instead of from self. Also, two additional qualities of self, also C words, of course, are courage and confidence. So if you're coming from a place of self, you won't need anyone else's recommendation on if you should reply to that comment or what you should say to that mom, because you will know the right answer for you in that moment, the right answer that that parent needs, and you're going to feel good about whatever you decide to do, however you decide to respond. Now, sometimes we just can't get there. Our parts are feeling too strongly, you know, they're caught up in our own anxiety or whatever that might be, and they don't want to move. And that's okay. That's where the goal is to show ourselves compassion, to show ourselves grace and forgive ourselves instead of beating ourselves up or, you know, being too scared to say anything to that, you know, mean comment on our post or saying something snarky or mean or thinking really judgy thoughts or coming up with an answer that we realized was not the most accurate representation of what the research actually says, but we were just fumbling over our words and whatever. So, you know, this is a very loaded topic and it's okay if it brings up a lot of stuff for you and we're not always going to respond perfectly. That's not the point. When I first had this very conversation on the podcast, I interviewed another CPSM grad, Sarah Skiles, to talk about how to combat the negativity around sleep training. Uh, when we had that conversation, I came to the talk with my own ways that I like to combat the negativity. And the ways that I like to combat the negativity are sort of what you described earlier, which is that um, I, I sort of like to point it out that it's mom shaming. Like, we're not necessarily fighting, like, is sleep training good or bad? What we're fighting here is like, you're being mean to one another. And that's mm -hmm. not nice, right? So like, when I see conversations in Facebook groups, where some mom comes into a Facebook group and she's like, you know, I have a nine month old who's up every 45 minutes in the middle of the night. I'm losing my mind. I can't see straight. I'm depressed. I'm scared to drive. Like my husband and I can't stand each other right now, whatever the terms, whatever the situation may be. And you have all these moms, like maybe somebody suggests sleep training, like, you know, might be a good idea to teach your baby how to <laughs> fall asleep independently. Right. Um, and then someone else comes in and makes the comment about how sleep training is traumatic and abusive and terrible and blah, 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 blah. What I like to do in those situations is I like to remind that mom who's saying that sleep training is terrible and abusive and blah, blah, blah. Like what you're really doing there is like, you're making this poor mom who's already on the brink feel so much worse. Like you're shaming mm -hmm. her for like even considering making a change that will benefit 
her child and her entire family. And mm -hmm. like, that's just straight up not nice, right? And and then they come after me. And, and then the conversation that I like to have is like, I have thick skin, I'm okay, I can handle this. But like the original poster is reading all of this and feeling really judged by your comments, mm -hmm. right? That's how I like to handle it. Now, the reason I'm bringing this conversation up is because Sarah, what she said, is sort of exactly what you just said. <laughs> and I didn't want you to go back and listen to Sarah's interview because I wanted and you I to didn't. have, <laughs> and you didn't, I, I wanted you to have like your own complete thoughts. And the point that Sarah made, which I thought was so spot on, and I had never really considered it before, was that the key to combating all of this negativity is really truly owning and feeling 100% confident and secure with your own thoughts on the topic. Because when you really feel truly like this is what's right for my family it's what's right for the families that i'm supporting you can recognize that like other families might choose to make other decisions and that's totally fine but when you truly believe that sleep training is something that benefits the child it benefits the entire family it's good for everybody involved like none of this stuff is gonna topple you over, right? Because you really truly believe it in your heart of hearts. So I think that that's kind of what you were saying, like with the whole self, like you got to really fully get there and fully own it and truly believe that and have the confidence and have the, what were the other C words? <laughs> yeah. Calm, curious, Calm, right? compassionate, right? Yes. right? So like to have, to have <clears throat> all of that truly to own it in your mind and in your heart on this topic, I think is sort of the key to combating the negativity. Because when you start feeling insecure and unsure about everything that you're saying, it's like the easiest way to get slammed, you know? And when you right. show up, not just slammed verbally, but like slammed emotionally and, and not, and when you're slammed emotionally, then you're not able to show up confidently and mm -hmm. calmly mm -hmm. in your job, right? So like, I really do think that it's our responsibility as sleep consultants to really get to that place where we do really own these feelings and truly believe it and practice what we preach so that so that we're not totally destroyed by the negativity that's swirling out on the internet and in real life as well. Exactly. Yeah, I think we also talk a lot in the, the group about, you know, kind of having your your why, right? And so having that thing that drives why you do this work. And one thing that I always fall back on with that negativity is, you know, it's, it's as you said, families can do whatever they're comfortable with. I'll, I'll support whatever they believe and works best for their family. But what I cannot tolerate is when you're shaming a mom to the point, you know, convincing her that she's damaging her child to the point that you're not making her sacrifice her own mental health. When we have very clear data showing that a parent's mental health has a huge impact on a child's development, far more than a few nights or weeks of sleep training ever could, even if it were traumatizing, which I don't believe that it is. Um, but yeah, the the mental health piece, I know I'm not the only one who feels super, super passionate about that element of it. But if we can't support parents in showing up as their best selves, then we're not supporting families in meeting their children's needs. Yeah. I, and it, it's a constant struggle, right? Because we're all sort of like swirling around in these conversations over and over and over again. And and you really, I do think, have to get to a point where you master it in your own brain so that you can show up confidently for others. Um, as sleep consultants, how do you think that we should approach these conversations 
about sleep training being harmful or traumatizing or torture. Like they're not right. We know mm-hmm. they're not, but like, how do we have these conversations with parents in a way that really helps to sort of get to the bottom of all of this and make everybody feel better about the parenting choices that they're making? Again, that's where I think, you know, on the one hand, depending the parts of mine that are showing up, I might be tempted to like, well, here's what all the research says, right? Which, you know, thankfully we do. We have a ton of great research that is pretty clear on a a lot of different aspects of this. But for most people, you really got to get to the heart of it and get to the emotion, the emotion of it. Like, tell me what you're afraid of. Like, okay, what if, let's assume for a moment that this process, these next two weeks is, you know, traumatizing to your child. What, What are you worried that means? What does that say about you? And letting them explore those thoughts of, oh, I'm worried about being a bad mom or yeah, you know, permanently harming my child. And then that's where I can turn it around and say, do you feel like a good mom right now with how tired you are? Answer is always no. Um, do you feel like you're being the parent that you want to be for your child? No. Do you feel like your child is their best self right now? No. And then they're able to kind of throw out all that other stuff and tap into their own instincts, their own ability to tune into what their child's, you know, behavior and reactions is telling them that they need sleep, their family needs sleep, and that this is the best thing for them. And so helping them find their own confidence in that rather than just being like, well, the research says it's fine. So like, don't worry about it. Let's just do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that as coaches, because that's really what we are, like, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're coaches, you know, uh, and, you know, I always think, like, do I call myself a sleep consultant? Do I call myself a sleep coach? In these situations, I really do think that it's our job to coach parents to really get to a place where they can show up more confidently in their own home with mm-hmm. their own children right? Isn't that ultimately what it's all about? And at the end of the day, there's a coach to coach parents to parent however which way they want to parent, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are coaches out there that will coach parents through bed sharing, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are coaches out there like us who will help to uh, establish healthy and independent sleep habits. And, And what we're doing is we're providing information, we're providing support, and we're coaching them through the process of really, I think, gaining some confidence in their own ability to parent in a way that feels right for them. And, right. And, and when you show up with that frame of mind, I think it's easier to sort of tune out all the other stuff. And it's like, well, we're just, we're not going to worry about that today. We're just going to worry about meeting your goals and getting you the sleep that you need and the sleep that you deserve and the sleep that your child needs and the sleep that your child deserves. Exactly. Let's, let's end there. Um, before we wrap up, do you want to share social media, uh, your website, any sort of resources? And this is just going to be sort of like a part one, because uh, we have a whole other conversation that's sort of related to all of this, but too much for one episode. So we're going to divide yes. it into two. But before <laughs> we wrap up, uh, share your website, social media, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah, so my uh, <clears throat> my therapy practice website is uh, www.renewpandc.com. And then my sleep consulting site is www.arenewedmama.com. And 
I currently do not use a whole lot of social media, partly because that's something that I've had to think through as far as what my parts can handle and where I want to invest my energy. I think it's really important that we model taking care of our own mental health if we're going to support parents and prioritizing theirs. And that's something I have determined I need for my mental health is to not be too much on social media. Perfect. I love that. Uh, you being totally true to yourself and your own sort of mental and emotional needs is super crucial. So love that. Uh, we're going to be back uh, maybe the following week. We're not sure yet. Who knows? <laughs> uh, to talk about attachment, which I think is another sort of hot button topic amongst both moms and consultants. So thank you for having this conversation with me today. And I can't wait yes. to do part two very, very soon. Yes, me too. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would rate, review, and subscribe. When you rate, review, and subscribe, this helps the podcast reach a greater audience. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a certified sleep consultant, head over to my Facebook group, Becoming a Sleep Consultant, or to my website, thecpsm.com. Thanks so much. And I hope you will tune in for the next episode.